Countless worlds upon worlds, worlds without end. In these galaxies, every possible reality exists. And what is reality on any one world is mere fantasy on all others. Here, all is real and all is illusion. What is, what was, and what will be start here with the words, In the beginning there was... Howard the Duck. But, ladies and gentlemen, let me take you back in time. To a time before there were cinematic universes and licensed properties, and even before the modern superhero film. Before Marvel even had even thought about coming to a big screen near you. Before Fantastic Four was made and mysteriously dropped. Yes. There was another film that Marvel licensed to someone named George Lucas, which seemed to be a good idea. Yeah. And it was not. Well, oh yeah, and uh, what we're talking about on this week's, uh, on the return of the Dr. Jack and Dr. Andrew case files, where we examine uh, notorious movies in history, specifically, usually bombs. Like uh, the movie that killed John Dillinger. Oh, what, Manhattan Melodrama? Yes. That wasn't a bomb. Uh, sorry, I made a mistake. <laughs> You were talking about notorious movies. Well, uh, oh, that would be a good uh, that would be a good segment. Notorious movies, like movies that are tangentially related to horrible events, so mm. Manhattan melodrama or uh, Blue Dahlia. Blue da- well, yeah. Hmm. Well, I guess yeah, that is technically tangentially related. Or I was about to say Dirty Harry, but that actually came out after the Zodiac killing started to happen. That's tangential enough. Uh, I don't know about that. That's it's not really tangential if it's inspired by the actual bad case. If it's connected to a horrible moment in history, we will find a way to make it to this podcast. Or like uh... Wages of Cinema, two thousand eighteen. We'll think. We'll, we'll think more about this in in in, in the time to come. But um, anyway, but Howard anyway. the Duck. Howard the Duck. Speaking of terrible things in history. Oh boy. Well, well, let's let's talk. Let me take you back a little bit. Because... Oh, you're gonna take us back now? Yes. <laughs> no, because uh, we, well, we've talked about George Lucas before on the podcast. We've we've talked about the making of. Well, not not too well. Ex- it depends on your definition of excessive. I mean, we we've had talked about Star Wars quite a bit. We've talked about Indiana Jones, and we even talked about the making of books about uh, Star Wars and The Empire Strikes Back. Um. And I've read, uh, I, on my own, I read a biography of George Lucas uh, several months ago. And what was interesting in that was to learn about how much of, uh, and, you, you know, not too surprising considering, you know, how, you know, Star Wars in a lot of ways is, has, it's not a comic book movie, but it has certain roots in comic books in certain ways. How so? Um, in, uh, in some of its pulpiness and some, and how uh, it treats violence in a way mm-hmm. uh and treats uh it, t- it takes violence rather lightly yeah it takes violence rather lightly the color very the ca- clear delineation between good and evil the characters are very colorful and also interesting to note uh 
you know, uh, everybody kind of assumes that, oh, Lucas was immediately grabbing for the franchise stuff right away with Star Wars before it even came out. Like, he was planning this big empire. And, and he wasn't. The only things he was really looking for were t-shirts and posters. And, but there was one exception, which was Marvel Comics to do the adaptation of Star Wars. To do a right. Star Wars comic book tie-in. And I think that he, I don't remember if it was him or his collaborators who really were the people behind this movie, Howard the Duck. Uh, their names are Willard Hayek, I think, or Hayek. That's how I always looked at his name. Hayek? Okay. Hayek or something, and Gloria Katz. Um, who also, by the way, they did some uncredited work on Star Wars too. That's worth mentioning. I don't know if he made the deal with Marvel before he bought the rights to Howard the Duck or after. But in any case, he's a big comic books fan. So I don't think it's actually too crazy to see why he might want to try to tackle this as a producer. He thinks, okay, you know, it's one thing to try to make a Spider-Man movie or or something like that. I'm, you know, I, I'm known as the Star Wars guy. I'm known as Indiana Jones guy. If I try to make a Spider-Man movie, that might be trying to dip my hands a little bit too much. But Howard the Duck, he's this weird little character who's a... Uh, talking duck and <laughs> he's not even created by he's well. not even from stan lee he's created by this other guy steve gerber and he fits well into that well the execution of howard the duck is very much rooted in the effects work that still that lucas and ilm did on star wars yes exactly like they uh, one of the things that lucas uh, now i should mention by the way too and this is key to understanding how this movie turned out Originally, they really wanted to ask... Universal was the ones who... The studio put this out. The The filmmakers really wanted to do an animated movie hmm. first. Like, that was really their first goal, was to do an animated thing. And Universal's like, no. We want live action. And so, this kind of put Lucasfilm in an awkward position where it's like, well, have to do live action. You know, we don't, we don't have computer effects quite up to date yet. So they decided to make it uh, an. We haven't invented computer graphics yet. That's not going to be until the. It started. That's not going to be until the Phantom Menace. So yeah, we're gonna and there's some and there's some trivia about computer graphics that I'm going to get to in a minute. But, uh, um, but Lucas apparently allegedly spent two million dollars just on Howard the Duck suit. Hmm. And apparently, eight different actors worked inside the costume, and even a. Uh, originally, they wanted a child actor to be like the main Howard, but it didn't work out. And apparently, the suit kind of. In, a, in another long line of things in Lucas, when he makes his movies, things don't work. Right. And uh, the suit never really worked. The, the, the whole combination of how you see Howard the Duck in the movie was sometimes a guy in a suit, sometimes a puppet, sometimes an animatronic that. I guess was the precursor to maybe it was like the infancy of what they were trying to do in uh, like the Muppets uh, in the uh, the Ninja Turtle movies, and and let's just talk about the movie itself because okay. This... Well, let me let me give them uh, let me give our audience the uh, sketch of the plot here. Sure, I think it's not too not okay. Too far -fetched. So just far fetched. Howard is a duck. He is an anthropomorphic duck. He comes from a world. Where all the people in the world are ducks. Yes. But one day he is just ripped out of his universe and plopped right down in our universe. He is a duck who talks, who is just living on Earth at yeah. this point. 
He wants to go home, but he doesn't know how to. And then he meets up with a woman played by Leah Thompson, whose name escapes me right now. What yeah, is her she, name? Her, her, her character name in the movie is uh, Beverly. Beverly. And it's basically about Howard's efforts to get back, but also trying to adapt to life as the only duck yeah. <laughs> in our universe. Exactly. Yeah, and, and so... And it's kind of a weird idea. I mean, it was a weird idea when it was first a comic book. But in a comic book, you can at least, you can accept that in a different way. Comic books allow for a lot of flexibility in terms of believability. When you draw an anthropomorphic duck and set him in a human universe, you can accept him because the art style allows him to blend in. Yeah. But it's... Also... And And it's also kind of clever. Like, imagine a character like Donald Duck living in our universe. Yeah. That that has promise. Yeah. And that's why Howard Duck still continues to be published even today. Well, I don't know I don't know if it had been published continuously since the Okay, 80s. maybe not continuously, but he's yeah. still around. He is still around and in fact he um he, he made cameos in both uh, Guardians of the Galaxy movies. Right. Try like to it, wrap your head around that. Yeah, it's kind of, <laughs> and he looks very different because yeah. I think well I think he's supposed to look a little closer to how he was in the comics. Cause also, the... because they invented CGI in the meantime. Yes. Yeah, they don't have an, anim- an animatronic Howard anymore. Now, just like a lot of other characters in Guardians of the Galaxy, and I, th- and I, w- I kind of wonder if George Lucas had had the... I don't think it necessarily would have made the movie better, but maybe it would have made it something else if you'd had a... Like, as if it was Rocket Raccoon or something. If you had had that in the movie instead of the animatronic Howard. But that's a, that's another question for another time. Well, clearly, George Lucas is limited by the technology of his time. Yeah, a little bit. But here's the thing about technology. I don't think this animatronic, puppety, costumey Howard the Duck looks bad at all. No! he I Actually, I, I, thought, I thought he's thought as a kid, and even today, he's pretty convincing. Yeah, I mean... When he moves his mouth, the corners of his mouth turn up or mm-hmm. turn down. His lips move. I mean, the pup, the puppet and the animatronics might not have worked, but they certainly shot around it well enough to make it look convincing. Yeah. His, you know, his eyes react. He he puts on different expressions. His mouth opens, and you know, he doesn't seem like he's limited in movement when you see wide shots of him. As far as a special effect can it goes. I mean, Lucas, uh, ILM probably put, put, and their their associated companies put a lot of work into this. And oh, it really yeah. shows. Oh, for sure. And uh, and you and yeah, he he definitely put as much money as he could into this movie. Um, maybe he put too much money in. Who knows? I mean, he. Uh, oh, apparently too. By the way, John Landis was originally going to direct the movie too. Ooh. Oh my God. Uh, he turned it down, I think, because of the police crashes in the finale. <laughs> he thought it was a little too close to Blues Brothers, which is funny because when we were watching the movie again, I was making a couple Blues Brothers jokes. I resisted the urge to make Blues Brothers I couldn't jokes. help it. You have, like, big police car crashes and a big police chase. We'll get to the end of this film. We'll, we'll get later. to that eventually. Uh, we should mention, I should mention that... Again, I haven't read too much of the comic books. I think... this is why we need guest star Matt. Yeah, well, I've read. I know I've read a couple. Guest because... star Matt, stop just sending us emails. B 
be with us all the time. Yeah, come from your Sparta mountaintop and come over here. Um, I think the comic book was even more... Its tone was... It was it was comedic, but it was more in a straight satirical way. It was almost like a Marvel title that, yeah, we have this anthropomorphic duck, but it's meant for adults. Yeah. More more so for kids. It was almost like uh It's certainly he, not... he was he was almost more foul foul mouthed. I that's not a... not quite at that time. But he's like That's he... that that was a that was no pun intended on that one. He to me, there seems to be an almost like a slightly underground current running through an underground comic. Not level. quite, not quite, not quite to Fritz, no, Fritz no, the no, Cat no. level. No, but I mean, think about that. think about what Fritz the Cat is with these sort of anthropomorphic animals b- being acidically bitter, yeah, uh, toward toward towards their subject matter. But then think about a yeah. character like Howard the Duck, who is kind of just he, he's it's one of the weirdest things him being in our world. I don't know yeah. if that's quite accurate. Again. I haven't read Howard the Duck either. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but but, um, but but I think that for this, though, so this is in the 80s. Right. I think that Howard the Duck originally started in the 70s. And again, I don't know if maybe that took place more on the duck planet. I don't know. Maybe he was here on no, the I think, on I think I think it, he was on planet Earth. Um, well, I think I his know. character was in the comic a little bit more like Rocket Raccoon. We. The thing is, but we, again, we I don't know. I don't know. I'm going by, but the, in the movie, the movie's very 80s. Let's mention that this is because uh, Beverly, that this character who lives in Cleveland, or should I say, Cleveland? Yes, that's how they call it. You well, that's how they, that. they pronounce it because it's a perfectly weird name for this planet. Um, she's in this uh, kind of punk rock group, but she's in a rock and roll group. It's Hollywood punk rock. <laughs> yeah, it's it's Hollywood punk rock. The, the band is literally called Cherry Bomb, right? Because Runaways and. Uh, they, uh, they, their hair and, and clothes and music, it's so 80s, and I kind of love that, though. It, it's it's squarely in its time, and because of that, it's dated pretty badly, but also pretty hilariously. Yes. It, it, it doesn't, it, it doesn't call attention to itself, and but, but it, it is what it is. Like, Leia Thompson's hair, it's like you wouldn't recognize her from Back to the Future, which he did just a year before this. Well, Even though, I know we talked about this too, that her character in this and her character in Back to the Future somehow get into awkward sexual situations. You know, I got a feeling my life's really gonna change since you fell into a ducky. Yeah, well, I'm glad somebody's happy. If I could just get my career back on course, I'd only have the old standard worry left. What's that? I just can't seem to find the right man. Maybe it's not a man you should be looking for. Ah. Uh, you think I might find happiness in the animal kingdom, Ducky? Like they say, Dal. Love's strange. We could always give it a try. Hmm. Okay. Let's go for it, Mr. Macho. What do you mean? Okay. It was a joke! Mm-hmm. Listen, I'm pretty tired. It's just that you're so incredibly soft and cuddly. Bev, let's be realistic. I mean, my apartment's zillions of miles from here. You're three feet taller than I am. I just can't resist your intense animal magnetism. 
Whoops. Anyway, where will it all lead? Marriage? Kids? A house in the suburbs? Let's just face it. It's fate. No, it's not. <sighs> I've got a headache. And I got the aspirin. <gasps> Be gentle. Yes. With the main character. Um, and here's the thing that I think is really interesting about Howard the Duck. Okay, tonally you're about to talk about, right? Yes. Okay. When the premise is ludicrous. Yes. But the film spends most of its first half addressing the implications of its plot. Yeah. How does a character of a completely different species from a completely different universe try attempt to adapt to our universe? Yeah. And when the movie is doing that, it seems like that is the way this film is supposed to go. Yeah. It's like that is that's a fascinating avenue that you could explore and you could make something completely original and fascinating with that characters in this movie they there are characters who will see howard and suddenly scream but you also <laughs> have characters who just see howard and go like oh okay well yeah. now i have to deal with you <laughs> it almost like the view of humanity of this movie is fascinating to me and i should mention too that i I watched this movie, I don't know how many times when I was a kid. This was just one of those films that was on tape in my house. And I, for some reason, I know I watched Star Wars as a kid. I know I did. I don't have clear memories of watching Star Wars when I was a kid. I have clear memories of watching Howard the Duck. See, I have very clear memories of watching Star Wars okay. when I was a kid. Well. I, I, uh, but, I, but, but but I bring that up though because when I was a kid I just accepted this like okay this is what it is as an adult watching it now how this movie shows human beings is just fascinating to me yeah especially of, people like they're Howard has to get a job yeah which is actually you know that's something that's worth addressing in this film <laughs> like there's a guy he has to live here like everybody else sure he needs a job yeah he's not gonna live, like he, just because he's a duck doesn't mean he's gonna live on the street yeah and just because his dog he's a duck doesn't mean his boss isn't a jerk to him yeah his and boss that, is a jerk and then the lady at the employment agency who tries to get him a job is also a jerk to him now i should mention that seeing it again i forgot that this does have a lot of puns you do have to put yeah. up with things like she like when she gives the Howard a job working at a kind of health spa slash sex club. I still have no idea what that place was supposed to be. <laughs> I don't know either. Like as a kid, I think I watched that scene. I thought, well, this is what adults do. Yeah, that's all. Howard's uh, job is he gets a job in what is ostensibly a spa. Yeah, but clearly it's but, also a place where people just have sex in hot tubs. Yeah, what which is kind very of place un, this is. Which is very unsanitary. I, I've heard of bathhouses where people just where men just have sex with each other. I have never heard of anything like this though. It's uh, yeah, and why would an employment agency just? Well, employment agencies, you know, they give you whatever job. They no, can no, find. no. I, I got, I got the sense. Obviously, yeah, I'm gonna give you the crappiest job that I possibly can. I, to some people, that would be kind of a. It, it, that almost seems like the kind of job that, if Travis Bickle wasn't driving a cab and taxi driver, maybe he would have been doing that. There's when you when we talk about that, there's a slight underground comic undercurrent. A scene like that 
kind of points to that maybe. Yeah. There are certain elements of this movie that as a this might have been inappropriate to see as a kid. There's like some inappropriate stuff in this movie. I mean, but it's all kept PG. Yeah, no, no. It, know, is, it is still but a kid's as a movie. kid you see this and you know, yeah, this is a seedy place. Yeah. No one would want to work here. It, and that's kinda cool. Like kids' movies used to do that more where they would have stuff that you know is not for kids. That was before adults ruined everything. Yeah, when George <laughs> Lucas was like yeah, yeah, just show, throw in the sex club thing. You know. Chop off someone's arm. Yeah, it's like in, well, uh, well, Gloria Katz what... and Hayuk, they wrote the script for Temple of Doom, mm. which, PG movie, guy gets his heart ripped out of his chest. That might technically, it was PG? It wasn't PG-13? No, that was right before, that was one of the impetuses for the change. Huh, okay. Like, it was because of Temple of Doom that I think Howard the Duck Maybe it was PG. I don't know if it was PG or PG thirteen, um, but but I was about to say that like in, so for example in that employment agency, like she gives Howard the job and she tells him I got a feeling you're gonna take this job like a duck to water and then she does an evil laugh. <laughs> that, the tone of this movie is crazy, it, but I but I kind of like it. And I know I think you did too because yeah. it's just it. It acknowledges how bizarre this is. That yeah. there's just a duck. It has a level of self-awareness. I don't think, though, this is self-aware enough. It could have gone further. It, but it's but not it's, just that. Like You talk about how people react to Howard. Yeah. And I find that to be a very convincing thing, too. People sometimes are just like scared of him. They scream. They stare. Some people are just like, huh. Or some people... Tim Robbins has the thing where he first sees Howard and quickly runs into a room of scientists and is like... <laughs> he's like, you're not gonna... Like, Tim Robbins is in this I'm gonna movie. finish my thought and then we're gonna get to, to Tim Robbins. Okay, I'm sorry. But it's... But then people are just, like, dismissive of him and they, and they just... And they bully him. Yeah. And it's... And you're like, yeah, this is totally what would happen... To, this is what happens to different people in yeah. our universe. Yeah, and Howard is the most unusual person. He gets trivialized and ridiculed wherever he goes, and that's and you can't help but feel sympathetic for him for that. I mean, yeah. he's the most ludicrous thing that could ever possibly happen, and we and you you feel pity for him. Well, not well, pity, but you you feel sympathetic to him. Yeah. And he, well, he, and he try and he ends up being pretty heroic because you can tell he can take care of himself. They established that right away when he first meets Beverly. It's because he, she's about to get raped, and he, he fights off the attackers. She, she's, she's fighting off some douchebags. He fights off the attackers with his quote quack foo, which I know you said that that should have been Ty Quackdo. Yes, I could have come up with a better duck. That probably was a better pun. Um, but yeah, like he becomes, but he's sympathetic, but he's also likable because, you know, you can tell he he's doesn't not, take crap from other people. He, he doesn't feel sorry for himself. No, he never he's does. He's trying to do something. He has, so, he ha, he, he is a I, little traumatized. Not, yeah, he's not. <laughs> I mean, he did go through a wormhole in space. Yeah, <laughs> this is all just stuff that has happened to him. None of this is his fault. None of this is his, of, of his own doing. Yeah, and now he's just stuck with us. And so, and he still, and he gets weird reactions from people like Tim Robbins or who... that guy on the bus. <laughs> you were you were obsessed with that guy. A guy just this line <laughs> is in the film. That's a duck. That's a duck, man. 
stupidest line. <laughs> I don't know. But I let's think, talk I, about I, Tim I, Robbins. I think that would have been a guy in real life, though. You know, <laughs> well, pe- people are kind of people are kind of dumb, so to, I kind of believe it. To but... paraphrase, to paraphrase Ed Wood, uh, you know, in real life, Howard had to deal with that every day. <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's talk about Tim Robbins. Yes, Tim, so Tim plays, Robbins is in this movie. Yeah. One of his early performances, he plays the lab assistant in this, I guess, museum yeah, science sort of natural history museum, and he is he is off the wall. Oh my god! But likably off, not likably, but his reaction to Howard, yeah seems perfectly appropriate <laughs> yeah he he's very um he i i think like if you uh he almost seems a little bit like uh the the child of doc brown who yeah has been kind of left to his own devices like he has a bit of doc brown to him but not Marty, too much Marty, we yeah. found an anthropomorphic duck we've got to get him back to his universe <laughs> Yeah, that's my Christopher Lloyd. It that's sucks. Not, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> but yeah, well, Tim Robbins, though, when he first sees Howard, he immediately goes in this room of scientists. And he's like, you're not going to believe it. It's a, it's a, it's nothing. <laughs> it's nothing. Never mind. He changes his mind. And he's like, never mind. Yeah, buddy. well, he, he realizes how crazy this sounds. And... <laughs> Yeah, and but then uh, he every time he talks to Howard or about Howard, he's just but, <laughs> his excitement but, levels spike. But you could say though that they actually end up having a pretty good relationship, and not, I don't know if that's the word to use. Well, but, Howard can't stand him for the most part, but they but the way their relationship develops is like it's like well, I want to help you, and Howard's like, well, you're annoying, but. At least you're trying to help me in this situation. It, they're, they're a comic odd couple, kind of is a yeah. way to put it. You know, like except it, except it doesn't their their relationship doesn't get that, that deep. Well, it, yeah, it's you, mostly about it's mostly about uh, Howard and um, what's her name? Yeah, you uh, could, Leah Thompson. You could say though that also this movie, it's not necessarily two movies, but there is a pretty clear halfway point. Yeah, because the first half again, Howard winds up on Earth. He's trying to adjust. He gets a job. It doesn't work. He beats and, up guys at a bar. It's that type of movie. And, you know, he even... And he shows himself to be a decent person and, uh, and you know, this guy who's just trying to get home. And then they find a way. Maybe there is a way to get him home. Yeah, there is some type of scientist-y thing involving a, a some type of... I don't, I don't know what you... Would you call that a giant telescope? Laser telescope. A laser telescope thing. That's how he got to Earth. And they can might be able to send him back, but there's an accident that brings one of the dark overlords of the universe back to, to Earth. Which, you know, we, we talk about, again, he, that Howard pops up in Guardians of the Galaxy movies. Um, because, technically speaking, he's part of what you would consider Marvel has their own space world type of universe, you could say. Uh, I don't know if that's the way to describe it. Um, but in the comics there is like for example the evil overlord is actually based on uh, a Marvel villain who was brought who brought Howard to Earth in the comics his full title in the comics is Thog the Netherspawn Overmaster of Sominus and I think they bring up Sominus real like in one line in in the movie I think that's where his kind comes from but he possesses the scientist the guy who was the principal in Ferris Bueller Jeff good old 
Jeffrey uh good Jeffrey old Jones. Jeffrey Jones. Yeah. <laughs> but then uh Jeffrey Jones, why do you have to go be a never mind, I'm not gonna go into that. Um he, he, there's a reason we haven't seen him that much in movies anymore. We'll talk about but, it. Later. But that's another reason. He is fantastic in this movie. Yeah. He again we talk about how Tim Robbins is really going for it as this Looney Tunes type of scientist guy. Jeffrey Jones is really Looney Tunes in this. Well, he's possessed by a cosmic overlord. <laughs> but he also changes his voice, the makeup job on him. They, they, they do a good job of progressing how crazy he looks. Yeah, and this is where the character of the movie changes. It stops It stops focusing on Howard and his life, which I think are the most interesting parts and of the film. And it becomes kind of a sci-fi beca- adventure. Yeah, it, but it's in less exciting... It takes place in Ohio, which is a less exciting venue for these things yeah i mean well they try to keep howard still being howard which and that's is good but then and but the movie's still good because they end up going to that diner after the scientist is yeah. possessed and he starts talking in terrible overlord speak to people around him yeah <laughs> and, and howard and and leah thompson are just they're just commenting. kind of befuddled they're, they're commenting i'm like are you getting all this and it's like oh really that's what's going on here's I, what here's what this yeah. movie is for me like why i think i like it like it kind of hit me watching it again today it even though it's live action some of the tone of it reminds me of what i used to see in ninja turtles cartoons hmm. which you know again the ninja turtles are anthropomorphic turtles uh with a rat who live in the sewers really bizarre right there are other but there are characters who human characters who comment upon this and then there are also other really bizarre characters that enter into that world that who are often comical yeah very comical uh sometimes they're aliens now we're talking about the cartoon just to be sure yeah i mean the movie The the movie does that a little bit but i think the movie tried for a different tone the the movie is the ninja turtles movie or at least the first one i'm not going to go up talk about the sequels um you're not going to talk about ninja turtles 3 no (laughs) (laughs) fuck that movie um this movie is like the, the ninja turtles movie uh that was more consistent in tone than howard the duck is i don't know if it quite had the same level of people kind of reacting to the turtles that this does well how could they react they were cleverly disguised under those trench coats <laughs> I mean, but that's a certain amount of self-awareness that ninja turtles had that also kind of carries over well, to Howard the duck i'm saying that the, the the cartoon though at least for me again I, I grew up on the cartoon i think why i liked howard the duck so much as a kid and why i was still entertained by it now is that the cartoon ninja turtles and howard the duck they embrace the absurdity to a good degree. Um, yeah. Now, does it all... Now, do all the jokes work? No. No. Some of them fall really flat. Some of them... You could tell the writers are really trying hard to there make are, some of the, th- the jokes land. There are a lot of throwaway lines that... Yeah, really... I noticed you were pointing that out. Yeah. Yeah, there are quite a number of throwaway lines. I would say if there is The one, dialogue does not always pop. There, There's also a quality to Howard the Duck that... Maybe not like... A, unlike a cartoon... It's the pace is a little breathless. There's not too much. There, there's little chance times to breathe, but not too much, especially in the second half. The second half to me is where the film becomes less interesting because instead, mm. I because 
that's when a lot of the action comes into play, and it starts to feel like the film is getting long. Yeah. I, this movie is under two hours long. Yeah. And it, as as Howard is flying that little plane, and as, you know... They throw a as, lot of stuff in it. Like and they, as, you know, Jeffrey Jones and Leah Thompson are driving towards the lab, there are a lot of little detours and... You know, stuff happens, and I'm like, you could. This film feels like it's two hours long, and I, and it's not over yet. You could have cut out the stuff with, for example, how, like Howard and Tim Robbins end up getting a plane. Don't, don't no, never mind how, and they, it doesn't matter. They they end up, they they have a chase with the police, and some of that is fine. You know, the hijinks ensue. Tim Robbins tries to connect a gas thing. He falls off and from the plane tower does a loop-de-loop yeah there there are things in it that maybe as a kid are maybe strike better but it's it's a race to the lab but all this other stuff is happening in the meantime and it's not all I it, almost, it feels and, like it's to fill the time between here and there yeah and i lost almost track of okay do they know the way the lab they just seem like they're kind of randomly flying around trying to get away from the and it didn't seem to me like the lab was very far away because they drove from there to the restaurant in the middle of the night I thought and that there were. I thought there were two different labs. No, there's one, that, there are, there's one lab. No, no, but but I thought that lab though. They but they, but they show midway through the movie that the reason I thought that they couldn't go that lab because there was a big incident. But everything looked the same when they went back into that lab. Maybe there's a lab that looked exactly like that. I don't know. Well, why would they make a lab that looks exactly I, like I it? I don't. It's the movie. I I don't know. I, I was confused. And Tim Robbins, he worked in that. No, did he? That was weird though. Like he. He worked at the Natural History Museum as a lab assistant. And then, How does he know, like, for where example... The, where the uh, experimental super weapon yeah, is. Yeah, because what happens is Howard and Tim Robbins... Um, Phil is his name. F Howard and Phil go to that go to the gigantic uh, lab, lab, lab... I don't know what you call it. Uh, Laboratory. Yeah. Experimental place. Uh, yeah. Science but, building. Yeah, science building. Um, and no, first of all, nobody else is there. If that it's is night, if no, oh no, wait, it's, it's day. day. You would think it that, must be a Sunday. See, see, that's why I thought it was a second facility because if it's the same facility as it was the night before, why wouldn't there still be people there working to like clean stuff up? There was that, a big incident. There was an explosion. <laughs> it was terrible. That one guy whose face is burnt tells Howard, "We have no right to tamper with the universe." My eyes. And his eyes are fine. Um, but his face is burnt. Why would they, why'd there still be people there? There's nobody else there. Yeah, now I'm For plot just, convenience. Now, well, yeah, it is plot convenience. There's a lot. Well, there's also... But that's not when, even when the problem. It's like the whole chase up to that point, like Howard's getting chased by the police. He's trying to get to the lab before before we have Thompson and Jeffrey Jones get yeah. there. And... But, but you know, it feels too long. It's like they too much stuff is going on. There, there was a from here to here, from the, from here to there. There was two minutes where Howard is going after duck hunters. Why? You can eh, cut that. Might as well, whatever. No, that was. And then it's like they're flying. They 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 death from the sky to all duck hunters. They go through a box car and their wings get cut off. That 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 was that was okay. Whatever. That that was part of the plot. I but but it, it starts to feel long when the film isn't that long at all. Yeah. It's it's definitely under two hours, and then all the stuff's happening. It's like oh, there's let's, some let's padding get on with it. Now when they get to the climax, though, 
then it starts to it does have its own energy there it has some energy but i think we got more enjoyment out of laughing at things rather than feeling excited about them <laughs> well we should also mention that again uh george lucas behind this he has all of the resources of his great uh industrial light and magic working for him um so when we finally get revealed to the dark overlord that's a pretty terrific creation. That is a really ornate, really well detailed stop motion figurine. As I said, what, no. It, what what is the f term for like a stop motion? Uh, it's figure? an animatronic. Well, no, creation. animatronics are different. It's a puppet. It, it's a stop motion uh, maquette. I think it has. Okay. They're they're different. That's not the same thing as a puppet. I don't think. Hmm. Uh, but uh, but that's still that stop motion creation is really. Well done. It reminded me it's of... Like, uh, it, that's top-notch. It has work. a little bit of... It's almost like they just they looked at what they did in Return of the Jedi with the Rancor and thought, okay, can, how can we go further than this? Mm. And they really made something that's gnarly. There, well, there's something that... Especially when I you're a little was, kid. I thought it was tubular. <laughs> it was totally radical. It was, uh, it was righteous. It was hanging hollow, homeboy. I mean, but... Uh, the Rancor was not a stop-motion puppet, though. Yeah, it was. No, I think it wasn't. So. In some shots. No, I don't Wait, think Wait, so. you mean like it was a guy in a costume? Well, either that or it was puppeted. And they just shot it from certain angles to make it look huge. Oh, but what was... Oh, so it wasn't stop-motion the way that no. this thing was. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was for some reason. Okay. It's been a while since you've seen Return of the Jedi, isn't it? You know what it is? Both of these creations have, like, the matte lines... Where you can tell that you know they they yeah. they created it with a an artificial backdrop and then put in the 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 set behind them. That's how they did in other in the other movies, Star Wars. Okay, movies. but the point is though, um, I don't know. I mean, I th I think this movie though is fairly enjoyable. It's enjoyable, but here's what I think is the most interesting thing about Howard the Duck. Okay, I think Howard the Duck is ahead of its time. How so? Okay. I, I think about Howard the Duck in context of everything that's come after it, like uh, like the Marvel movies we have nowadays. Okay. Think about the sense of humor we have in Marvel movies like Guardians of the Galaxy 1 and 2, uh, a lot of uh, the Thor movies. The Thor movies get by on their humor, but you know, uh, they're, some some, they're somewhat self-aware. Uh, not too, not too self-aware, but there is a little bit of poking fun at the conventions yes. and and things because we've become a lot more savvy about comics and about and, and about our humor since howard the duck came came around and i think about the humor that we've seen in a lot of marvel films nowadays and i feel like howard the duck is getting very close to that especially in those scenes with the diner yeah and especially with a lot of things like well how what, how am i going to live in this universe and if we t and if you remade Howard the Duck today, it, but you took your cues from the Marvel films that we have now as to how to write it, you get rid of the crappy lines. You get rid of a lot of the. You embrace the. You well, embrace you embrace yeah. the subject matter. You embrace those conventions, but you also bring a bit of a slant to it because you know yeah. you can't look at that straight anymore. Yeah. And I think you would approach something that is really would be really funny 
I, there was a time while we were watching this where we were like, I'm not sure if this is ge if we're just laughing because everything is crazy or because it's genuinely funny, because there are moments of humor in this which are really, which are qu are quite clever. Like a little the way from column A, Wilkin column Yeah, like the way people deliver certain lines or the way like other people react to other characters. Yes. Like especially like Jeffrey Jones, he walks up to the nuclear reactor and he's like. One million kilowatts. And he just like presses himself Power. against the glass. And there's like a tour guide who just like looks at him sideways. He's like, how about we get some lunch? <laughs> <laughs> and there's that sort of back and forth between like weird deliveries and weird reactions that feels very modern. You could tell. The modern as in within the past 10 years. Self-referential in a way or self knowing that. They're trying to know their, that the audience is pretty smart and will be able to get a lot of things, so they don't need to talk too much down to them. Yeah, and that undercurrent of writing flows really strongly in this film. Yeah. The problem is it's packed in with a whole bunch of duck puns and a bunch of yeah. you know, throwaway lines and... You know, the the somewhat more conventional plot line of, well, I gotta defeat this evil space I monster. gotta go home. Yeah. I think that maybe... Things like that. And if, if this had been maybe two movies, maybe you could have just had the first movie be about Howard trying to adjust to living in Cleveland. You have maybe the band as more of a plot line. Hmm. That's more of just like a plot element. And then the second movie becomes the big space opera i don't even think you have to divide it into two movies i think you just have to intertwine these things a lot better well you without can, well, without all the action you have more emphasis on dialogue and on, sar or well, on sarcastic humor and you like I, because especially when jeffrey jones is playing that evil space overlord he says a lot of funny things which yeah, there's like there's just little things like that, like because Howard gets into this big fight with like the other patrons at this diner, and you know they like then Jeffrey Jones will just be is sitting there at the table, and like uh, Beverly's like, why don't you get up and help them? He's like, she took my eggs. Yeah. <laughs> what? But if you intertwine those things, where it's like Howard's, like, Howard stops trying to deal with his personal problems at the middle of the film. Yes. And that's why we have this clear halfway point that you talked about. And the rest of the film doesn't deal with that as much. It's more about the second plot, which really come, which really doesn't even factor in until the middle. That that evil overlord doesn't come in until they try to send him home. And then, yeah. if he had been there from the beginning, you could have woven those plot threads a lot better. You could have had more stuff about the band, more stuff with Leah Thompson's character. You could have had uh, Leah Thompson just becomes a damsel in distress. She become yeah, she becomes less interesting through. Well, she doesn't become less interesting. She just has less to do. She more or less ends up reacting to more things yeah, around her. And she, that provides she, some humor. She has some terrific scenes in this, too. I yeah. mean, there's a seduction scene with her and Howard, which is played for laughs. It's played for laughs, but it's also... There's, there's an erotic charge to it. Well, there, <laughs> there is an erotic charge to this because... There are people who are into that sort of thing. Oh, my God. Oh, there are I, furries. Not, I mean, I'm not... Uh, you know, that's fine. It's played I, as a know, joke. There's, It's played as a joke, but, you know, with the internet being what it is nowadays, we all... We, we know that there are plenty of people who would gladly bet an anthropomorphic duck man. <laughs> so for that's the, why the, I think this film is ahead of its time. For, for those people who are curious duck lovers, send an email to wagesofcinema at gmail.com. Mother duckers. 
Ah! Uh, yeah, you actually, you came up with the idea, which I don't know if this would have worked, though, well either, where maybe, you know, you have Howard being sent to Earth. What if a human was suddenly sent at the same time to the duck planet? Yeah, I, I thought about that. I mean, what if what if it was like, well, what if it was it was a switcheroo? That might be a little too much. Maybe that's a different movie. It's certainly yeah. not. It's certainly not this. But like, think about. I mean, <laughs> well, you you have to have, you have two different characters. You have Howard, who's you know he's he's not like super street smart but he's savvy enough to take care of himself yeah and then you send somebody else who's diff- different to another world who's who, to the duck world and it's like look at this guy yeah it, like howard's howard's journey goes one way where it's like people aren't constantly prodding him and yeah. doing experiments on him maybe you send him like the part with the human he's trying to escape from everybody trying to catch him yeah well, I, well, but you, that's but that's yeah. just like a concept that well, I, i'm well, sure has been done well, in other ways well you brought up thor and i thought that was an interesting comparison because you know, in the move in the first Thor, you have a thing where they actually spend a little time first establishing who Thor is and mm-hmm. him on Asgard and all that. Then he gets cast out and is sent to Earth. Yeah, and then but then you still have that. Then that becomes intercut with things happening back on Asgard. So right. maybe, and I, I get I don't, and Thor has its own problems, but I still but maybe that was Marvel looking at. Howard the Duck and trying to think, okay, let's do our version of Howard the Duck, but better. I, I doubt that anything in Thor was inspired by the not, no, no, not, not directly, but, but that you, type of but story. But I see what you're saying. A lot of Thor is about Thor being incongruous, like being out of sync with people on Earth. Yeah, I, a lot, a, and how a people lot of, are reacting to him. Right, a lot of the humor of Thor comes from thor acting like this mighty viking warrior in modern society so when he's at that diner he drinks the coffee and he's like i like this throws the mug on the floor another and then it's like he goes to the pet store and he says i'd like a horse and he's like and the pet guy is like uh we only have dogs and birds here he's like well then give me one of those that's big enough to ride <laughs> that's a god man <laughs> i but that's but that's uh, that's President Howard the Duck, and I think, and and I think more of an emphasis on that that comedy. Yeah. I that's I think nowadays Marvel has a handle on the ludicrousness of its properties, but is able to see what's serious about them as well, and yeah. it mixes those two very well. This didn't quite that's, have a handle on that. That treatment was not available in the 1980s. No, and that's why I think. Howard the Duck deserves another go. It was ahead of its time. I mean, the special effects were... Well, I wouldn't say superb, but they were effective back then. Yeah, they were. there are some really good effects in this movie. Yeah, and I think nowadays you can try it again and it would work. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And again, I, I haven't read too many of the comics. Maybe they could go back more of the comics. Maybe not. Uh, I don't know. I, I I feel like, but the failure of Howard the Duck, I think, rests mainly on lack of recognition, and yeah, well, yeah, well, audiences that you know, why they would look at Howard the Duck and go, why am I going to go see this just because it's George Lucas? And now the cultural things that have made the Marvel films such a success have come to have blossomed, and those same cultural. And, and those same cultural touchstones that allow for the recognizability of Marvel figures would now help Howard the Duck succeed nowadays. 
Yeah. Yeah, it's a good it was, point. It was 30 years too early. If they make a Howard the Duck movie today, though, the one thing, though, they they must not involve it with the main Marvel plot. and You know, like the Infinity thing. That's they they gotta idea. make it I a mean, completely but... ancillary movie. Yes. Like, you know, Marvel needs to try to do that a little bit more anyway. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 was a maybe a step in that direction, even though it wasn't. I don't know if that's... I, I, have, I know I'm going off track here. You can still but, have plenty of Howard the Duck cameos. Yeah. And, and I feel a little... <laughs> I feel... It's weird. I feel a tiny bit bad for George Lucas. Not all the way, but... I don't feel bad about for him. He's rich. No, no, no. But, like, he... You know, he, he was somebody who really loved comic books. He also, I should mention, like, reading the biography, he was a super, super Uncle Scrooge fan. Huh. And fan of, like, uh, Donald Duck and, like, Uncle Scrooge comics. Well, you know the story that Raiders of the Lost Ark, some of the premise of that was taken from an Uncle Scrooge Yeah, comic. I think I've heard that. Yeah. And so I, I think uh, he and just... if I haven't, I'll believe you. I think he just wanted to try to bring a, a duck movie to the screen. And yeah. I think that was another thing when I was a kid. I, I had a thing about ducks. Really? I, I, you know, yeah, I loved, uh, well, you know, Donald Duck and Daffy Duck and uh, anything to do duck-related, I was obsessed with as a kid, a real little kid. Huh. And I so, know that about and, you, Jack. Yeah, learn something new about me. That's nice. why I'm. That's why I like being friends with you. You have more depth than the main character in the last film we talked about. <laughs> Listen to our previous episode about Siege of the Saxons. Yes. Yeah, here um, on the Wages of Cinema. Yeah, I mean, I, why I was why I like ducks so much. I don't know. I think it's just because they, they look like interesting. They, like? they I, look interesting. Know. They have the bill. They're they're kind of white. Ducktales Duck was a cool show. So was Darkwing Duck. You also yeah, yeah Darkwing Duck was another one. Also, I, I was crazy about Darkwing Duck when it came out. Oh yeah, Darkwing Duck is so much fun. But uh, and so when I saw Howard the Duck videotape on the store, I'm like, I want this. And you never regretted it. Nope, I did not. Uh, a couple of things that should be mentioned about this movie. So this movie did lose quite a bit of money. One of the interesting things, though, so uh, this we can actually thank the failure of Howard the Duck for Pixar. Really? Well, because George Lucas, well, he originally owned Pixar. He he was he he didn't know quite what to do with it at first. Like the people who worked for the, in the in that part of the company, uh, they were trying some different experiments with computer graphics. They they, they kind of had mixed results. They weren't quite as successful as what ILM was doing. And so then George Lucas puts out Howard the Duck. It is not a success. It's actually the first time, really, that he has a bomb. Yeah, I because, mean, because what else does he have? I mean, American Graffiti was a success. Yeah, no, well, American well, American Graffiti, all the Star Warses and the first two Indiana Joneses, but George Lucas being George Lucas, he always, you know, he, he never saved anything for, for a lot of time. Mm -hmm. He just threw whatever money he had into the next project. Well, That's he had why, to do that for Star Wars. Well, Star Wars, his... but then even Empire Strikes Back, if that had failed, then he wouldn't have had his whole empire to do. Um, so when this when this bombed, he had to start selling off assets because he also was trying to still build his Skywalker Ranch complex, and so his good friend Steve Jobs offered to help buy Lucasfilm's newly launched CGI animation division, well uh, for a price well above market value. And so Lucas didn't want to let it go at first, but had no choice. Jobs and made a good go. offer, and so he sold it. Yes. 
And he never regretted it. Not a bit. <laughs> but now it's fine because they're all under the same uh, umbrella today. Pixar is making good. Who cares? Yeah, Pixar they're doing, is making good. They're, and... their, they're making Cars 3 with its super dramatic trailer. You know, And ironically, it... who knows? Maybe someday now that Pixar and Disney are under... Uh, uh, you know, Pixar and Mar I'm sorry, Pixar and Lucasfilm are under the Disney banner. Maybe we could get like a Pixar made Lucasfilm movie. Probably not, but you know. Nah, you never know. Actually, what do I know? So I just co host a podcast. Yeah. So I think I want to wrap this up. Uh, I was going to say something about profound about Howard the Duck, but I forgot what it was. A profundity. Yeah. A prof duckity. Shoot. Uh, don't worry about it. I well, I'll wrap it up by saying that uh, I'll wrap it up by saying that I I enjoy this movie despite myself. I do know I do recognize that there are really sloppy things in this movie. I recognize that that yeah, it is too long, especially in the second half. The first half feels pretty tight. Um. The there are some very awkward jokes. Um, I can I can understand why this became one of the first nostalgia critic reviews that made uh, an impact on people mm. because you know um, reacting to it by just quietly without saying a word bringing a bottle of whiskey onto the table yeah. and then a loaded gun <laughs> as he's watching uh, Leia Thompson seduce Howard. I, um, I, I would say that's a bit of an overreaction. No, Having seen I know, I know. the film and really seeing that it has merit. Yes. I, I say that you know Howard the Duck is just an honest failure. Hmm. It doesn't feel like it's trying to cash in on anything. It felt like it was trying to do something different. There was effort. There yeah. was honest effort put in this movie. That's what we talked about. How we're not sure whether we, we should be we're laughing with the movie or laughing at it. But it's clear that the money is on the screen. Yeah. And, you know, it doesn't hold back on, you know... It has its own attitude. Yeah. And ultimately, yeah, there ha it's, it's, it, it did its own thing. Yes. And they made, it, they made an honest go of it, and it just didn't work out. Yeah, not, not completely, And it happened no. to not work out to the tune of $30 million. Yeah. And, you know... Uh, so yeah, it's one of the big. It's a big flop. Yeah, but there's still plenty of merit to be found in this film, and I think that's something that we haven't quite seen. Well, what we've se well we we have seen a film on the Doctor or Andrew and Doctor Jack files that did have a lot of merit, but still went by the wayside. Yeah, Heaven's I'm, Gate. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, but this but the failure of this one just doesn't seem as obvious to me. Yeah, well, it's it, you. I don't know if it's as obvious on the surface that this cost as much as it did. That this was like a that there was such a huge failure. I mean, I I look at the budget for this on IMDb. That's why if you hear any clicking, that's why I was checking. Yeah, in 1986, this cost 35 million dollars. Yeah, and that's a lot. Pretty bad, and they they only brought in 37 million dollars worldwide. So that's considered a uh, a flop. It that. And you know what sucks too is that you had to, Lucas had to kind of guess that it would happen, and I'm sure it did. That where, you know, in the press, George Lucas lays an egg. 
you know that there were probably headlines George Lucas like that. can't duck the bad criticism. Nope. Yeah, right. and and it's, I think, but but yeah. So I, I think we've said enough about Howard the Duck, though, for now. So my verdict: Howard the Duck is a highly watchable film. It is though. That if deserves you, a second chance. If you have a chance to watch it, uh, whether you're a big Marvel fan or not, it, it is a true oddity of eighties pop movies slightly misunderstood yes slightly misunderstood there's more entertainment value in it if you're open to it and if you have a kid yeah just stand uh, in front of the tv where there's the female duck taking the bath (laughs) yes aka duck tits um all right and on behalf of the wages of cinema i am andrew I'm Jack, and thank you for listening to another episode, and join us next time for more. And the wages of cinema is death. Good night. Good duck. <laughs>